0: Hello and welcome, to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hirsch, ready to talk all things Cleveland Browns today. Joining me, as always, none other than the great, the one, the only, the Sultan of SWAT. There we go, Dwayne the Rock McFarland. What's up, man?
1: Man, I am doing good. Like that's too many adjectives, uh, <laughs> but 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 I'll take them in. I appreciate it. It's a great day to be great as usual. Like, how's the beach, man? That's the real like. That's the real news. How's the beach?
0: I kid you not. I woke up today at about 10 a.m. I like waking up late. You know, I stay up to 2 a.m. Working sometimes. So spare me those judgmental glances. All you listeners out there probably just gave me. But I woke up. I had swimmers ear the entire morning. And I kid you not about 60 seconds before you got on this podcast. It went away. So now I have full use of both my ears again. Can't guarantee tomorrow. But we're living in the moment, Dwayne. Let's go.
1: Swimmers the It's like the worst. You had the actual ache or you just had water in your ear? Just water in my ear. Okay. So, we'll go. Because like, yeah. the earache is like earaches and toothaches are like, to me, like two of the worst. It's like, there's nothing you can do about them. You just kind of got to roll with it.
0: <laughs> Bro, gotta, like, I'm taking over the LBI boogie boarding scene. Like, I'm How just are you? There. yeah, like, I don't want to, you know, I don't like to brag too much, Dwayne, but you give me a boogie board with a couple of good waves, like, you're going to see 215 pounds of kind of an out of shape guy, like, flying across <laughs> the ocean. So,
1: Anyway, with these uh, two fifteen, back- man, like you would profile well as a running back coming out in you're too old of a prospect at this point. But, you know, 215, like you can play inside and out.
0: I had to switch the number in high school, man, to go get the eligible RB stuff once they said, uh, hey, man, yeah, you're not an offensive lineman anymore. But I used to be 56 because, uh, in my opinion, LT still has and always will be greatest defensive player ever. And they were like, yo, you got to catch passes. But I can't catch passes, Dwayne. That's why I played defense in the first place. But enough of that bullshit. Let's talk some Cleveland Browns, as always, with these team previews front office roster turnover then we'll get into quarterback running back wide receiver and tight end breakdowns great day to be great thanks as always for tuning in everyone starting off we do have continuity all across the coaching staff head coach Kevin Stefanski offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt and defensive coordinator Joe Woods all back for their third season in Cleveland now with the Stefanski Van Pelt partnership we have seen a run first offense in 2020 they were 28th in pass play rate in non-garbage time situations last year they were 26th and it's been a pretty slow paced offense as well 21st and 24th in terms of situation neutral pace courtesy of the fine folks over at football outsiders so Dwayne there has been some good stuff like more advanced the way they do throw the ball 13th and play action and their fifth and shift motion rate which is good but man we'll talk about the Deshaun Watson you know elephant in the room here in a second Looks like it's going to be another run-first offense. And this goes back to what we saw, you know, with uh, Stefanski back in Minnesota as well. There's going to be multiple tight ends on the field. They're not exactly going move with the sense of urgency, and they're going to try to run the piss out of the ball. But, hey, the Browns do have PFFs, I believe, our number two offensive line going to next year. Not one, not two, three very good running backs. So this is one of the rare situations where, you know, we can't exactly blame Stefanski for wanting to utilize a run-first offense because the Browns are one of the few teams in the league that can do so and still have a great deal of success.
1: Yeah, it sounds like Baker's totally not interested in coming back. He's basically saying, Look, I think we've both, both, both sides have decided it's time to move on. I think that's, you know, probably Baker just really saying he's done. Like he's ready to move on. Um, so, yeah, we're probably looking at Jacoby Brissett, which means I don't see, and even, even if it is Baker, right? <clears throat> if it's Baker or Brissett, like, I don't see how this offense changes. It has to be Deshaun Watson would be what could potentially bring a little bit more passing, you know, or like, as we like to talk about with the Madden playbooks, maybe we get to more of a pass balance offense with Deshaun Watson back there calling the shots, but we don't know what that's going to look like right now. So if it is Brissette or however long it's Brissette, however long it's Mayfield, um, it's definitely going to be a run heavy offense. Like if you look at the Browns last year, whenever they were trailing by four or more points, um, they decided to drop back to pass the ball 65% of the time. The NFL average is 70%, so 5% below. In games where they're on plays where they're within three points, so close close plays, 57% of the time they drop back to pass. NFL average is 60%. And then when leading they decided to drop back to past 49%. The NFL average is 51%. So they're actually running the ball more than the league average still in every single scenario. And it was even more run heavy the year before. So I would expect more of the same. The good news is like, they're not one of these teams that um, you know, when they come out and run, even though they're chewing clock, they managed to keep the pace, you know, decent, right? You could still be somewhere around the league average and plays run maybe slightly below that. Um whereas with some of these teams when they run the ball, right, they're they're like ranked 28th, right? Because yeah. their whole game is just to chew the clock. Stefanski still does seem to want to keep a little bit, you know, of tempo going as well, not trying to slow down slow everything down and muddy all the waters up. So that's a positive. But yeah, I'm with you. I would really expect a run heavy offense in 2022 from the Browns.
0: There's a report shortly after the Watson trade where it's like Brown's planning on opening up the offense more with Watson. It's like, yeah, I hope so. You just gave the guy $250 million guaranteed. Uh, Maybe you should throw the ball around the yard a little bit more. Speaking of Deshaun Watson, obviously biggest offseason move for the Browns. Texans traded Watson to the Browns for first-round picks in 2022, 2023, and 2024. Also got 2023 third-rounder as well as 2022 and 2024 fourth-round selections. Obviously, Watson, anyone's idea of a top-10 real-life and fantasy quarterback. Quarterback. we will see what goes on with his ongoing legal investigation and likely suspension. Backup quarterback Case Keenan was traded to the Bills. Uh, Nick Mullins is also in town now, signed a one-year, $2 million contract to battle it out with... I'm sorry, he's with the Raiders now. My mistake. Nick Mullins, no longer a member of the Browns. Jacoby Brissett is the man tasked to be the backup quarterback now with Baker Mayfield apparently on the outs. Just a one-year, $4.65 million deal. Again, we'll talk a lot more about these quarterbacks here in a bit. Fullback Andy Janovich, one-year $3.3 million deal to leave for the Texans. Browns also got rid of Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins, brought in Amari Cooper from the Cowboys in exchange for just a fifth-round pick, also signed Jakeen Grant to a three-year $10 million deal and released Austin Hooper, gave David Njoku a shit ton of money to stay, added Purdue wide receiver David Bell in the third round, and also added Cincinnati running back Jerome Ford in the fifth, Oklahoma wide receiver Michael Woods in the sixth, as always, don't expect too much from rookies not selected inside of the draft's top three rounds. So, Dwayne, again, we're about to touch on the quarterbacks, but that Cooper trade, I, it happened before free agency. Like, a fifth-round pick from Mari Cooper, who is now making the same amount of money as we saw, you know, Christian Kirk and these sort of guys making, like, out of all the kind of just many wide receivers trades we've seen happen, I don't think anyone's trying to say Amari Cooper is Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill at this stage of his career. And I don't think he really ever was as good as those guys. But a fifth round pick, Dwayne. I know it comes with the contract, but still, man, that is it's insane to me the Cowboys couldn't get more for Amari Cooper. Yeah, I thought that
1: when the trade happened, before even the context of all yeah. the other <laughs> things. Um, and and now it really looks like you know the Cowboys got basically fleeced on the trade. Like Amari Cooper like I would think would at least be worth a third right round pick. But, you know, we saw Robert Woods move on a little bit older, though, than Amari Cooper for a similar type deal. Also, Robert Woods was coming off of an injury, which Amari Cooper was not. So, yeah, I'm with you. I thought that was a bit of a head scratcher for our Dallas Cowboys.
0: Looking at the quarterbacks now, Deshaun Watson. I know for a while, Dwayne, a lot of people thought this could be a six to eight game suspension. Personally, I think it's going to be full season. That seems to be matching the latest reports. I believe we saw the NFL Players Association say they are fearing not only a full season, but potentially an indefinite suspension. So I guess the way I've thought about this, just the whole whether you believe what happened or what didn't happen like if the NFL gave him anything less than a full season I just think the public outrage which we have seen impact seemingly the NFL's decision making would be so outrageous that they could even like double down afterwards I understand nowadays it's a little bit different they're going you know Roger Goodell is no longer the sole decision maker nor should he be that was a giant conflict of interest while that was the way they were doing things but right now I'm expecting Deshaun Watson to not play a single snap in 2022 I'm Prepared to be wrong. I was wrong about Gronk, but that's how I feel. What do you think, Dwayne?
1: Yeah, I think at this point, that's just the scenario that is looking most likely. And it's changed It's it's changed a lot, like just in the last week, you know. Um, but here's the problem. Like, it's just more and more stuff keeps coming out. And like, this is stuff that like, you know. I mean, big companies, big media companies are going to continue to run with the story. And it's just a lot of pressure. It's a lot of heat, you know, for the NFL. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm at the point now where it's just like I was taking Watson some late and best ball again, not condoning what he did, but just playing the numbers right from a fantasy perspective. And I had a lot of people respond, you know, I don't want to scumbag on my team. And I, look, I totally respect that. Go I for do. it. I, I exactly like. X him off your list before you start and like I can respect you for that like my style is like I'm just trying to win the fantasy league maybe that's wrong maybe that's right I don't know but I think people come to us really just wanting the analysis I try to keep it all between the lines and really the way I think about the players but in this situation yeah I just don't see and look here at this point like I mean even if Watson misses like eight, 10 games um and things just continue to hang over him like what's to say like they couldn't tack on more like I don't know I don't know all the ins and outs of the collective bargaining agreement and the way all that has to work once he gets handed you know some sort of disciplinary action is there a chance that like that gets increased could that change I don't know all of those things but at the end of the day at this point it's just a player that I'm fading um honestly like we haven't gotten into it not I'm just pretty much fading this whole offense like you know for the most part um just because of what's
0: going on you know with Watson. That's going to wrap up this edition now. Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here we go. See you later. <laughs> so with all that in mind with Watson, there has been a phenomenon where I talked about this on uh, I think other podcasts, but Baker Mayfield and Carson Wentz, in my opinion, have because of these off seasons, because of them having, you know, respectively down stretches for large portions of 2021. No one's trying to say Baker or Wentz are top 10, even top 15 quarterbacks, but they are top 25 and maybe even top 20. You can put them, you know, kind of in between that area. I think some people are getting it twisted with how bad they actually are. Like, I think level headed people, maybe maybe it's just Browns fans, maybe I'm straw manning this, but I really think there is a subset of people out there that believe Jacoby Brissett could be equal or an upgrade to Baker Mayfield. And I'm here to tell you that that is absolutely absurd. Looking at all three of these quarterbacks' career numbers. PFF passing grade, Watson's at an 89, Mayfield's at an 80, Jacoby Brissett's at a 63. Yards per attempt, Watson, 8.3, Baker, 7.3, Jacoby, 6.4. Completion rate, Watson, 68%, Baker, 62%, Jacoby, 60%. Quarterback rating, big-time throw rate, turnover-worthy play rate, whatever you want to look at, Baker Mayfield is arguably, I think, as much better than Jacoby Brissett as Deshaun Watson is better than Baker Mayfield. So this is atrocious. And it's one of those things where I know Browns fans are sick and tired of, you know, one, media outlet or one Twitter person like myself coming out here and saying that the best interest of both the Browns and Baker Mayfield would be to try to just put this under the bridge and let Baker Mayfield be their starting quarterback because he is that much better than Jacoby Brissett. So maybe it does look like Dwayne, as you said earlier, like Baker, we just got that quote, I believe yesterday where he's just saying like, no, we're pretty much done going in other directions. But man, In this system, behind that offensive line, like, you can't tell me that Baker Mayfield, who should be playing for a second contract, like, that's the big thing right now, because, let's face it, the last version we saw, Baker, who was playing banged up ever since week two, man, he tore that labrum, at least partially tore it in week two against the Texans on that horrific-looking play where he was trying to dive back on the fumble, like, if you, if we did... Give him credence like we've been trying to do with a lot of these injured guys as we go through the team previews. If our last sample size of Baker was the second half of 2020 and into that, you know, first game of the wild card round against or two games, actually, they beat the Steelers and then lost that uh, pretty much a thriller to the Chiefs where Baker played some good football. I just think the public perception around him would be so much better. So with Baker, I do think his best chance of success remains to be on the Browns. I think the Browns would certainly be better off with Baker than Jacoby or any other quarterback they can get right now. Maybe save for Jimmy Garoppolo, but that just seems a little bit unlikely. So yeah, Dwayne with Jacoby Brissett under center, like this has a chance to be the league's least productive passing game. Like again, not nothing against Jacoby. I think Jacoby is probably a top thirty-five, top forty quarterback on the face of the planet. But man. We've seen him have multiple stretches with the Colts, two seasons to start 16 games. He led the 30th and the 16th ranked scoring offenses. Like, it's just not good, man. Like, most recently, Brissette, he cleared 250 yards one time in five starts with the Dolphins. He threw five touchdowns during the entire span. He is mobile, but we don't really get a rushing floor out of him. I just gonna be bad Dwayne like there's a this Browns team is in contender mode you look at the entire roster and they are loaded at every single position now except quarterback if Watson's out of the picture and to your point what pass catcher do we want to get behind with Jacoby Brissett under center because as we saw with the Colts and even shortly with the Dolphins it's not good man and it's arguably terrible
1: yeah it's just again like that's it's just becoming a situation that I want to avoid. Um, I would be interested in the running game. Right. Um, And we can talk more about those guys, you know, in a minute, but as far as like the quarterback situation, um, even, even if we got Baker back, I'm not going to be that excited about it. Right. We've already seen Baker with Odell Beckham jr. I mean, I look, I like Amari Cooper. Um, I liked Odell Beckham Jr. So it's not, there's even if we get Baker back, it it does help. It is to your point, an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. And I totally agree with everything you just said. I think that, and I would be dumb to not agree because the numbers support everything (laughs) you said about Baker Mayfield being better than Jacoby Brissett. Um, But at the end of the day, neither one of them have really done anything to support any kind of superstar wide receiver in fantasy football. Um, And with where you've got to take a player like Amari Cooper, like I've been lower than ADP on him, you know, all summer. And like, I'm still, like thinking about just moving him down further i mean basically if you're drafting off of my ranks you're not drafting um you know amari cooper so yeah i'm with you it's it's just a situation where look it, it is what it is like to your point like the browns like they could be a really good offense with a good quarterback um even then i don't think they would air it out a ton with watson i think they would throw the ball more but they would have a chance to be hyper efficient imagine that running game Also worrying about Watson, you know, moving around with his legs and his ability to create, you know, those big plays down the field and buy time. And that's what I think they wanted their offense to be. And now with Brissett, like that element of the big play, that element of buying time, that element of off script stuff, it's all gone. It's all gone. Like you have to totally play within the constructs of the offense. Um, You have to do everything via scheme. And even with all of that, we've just seen Brissett not be able to
0: produce. So, yeah, it's a bit of a bummer. Don't draft Baker Mayfield Jacoby Brissett, even if there's a fire. Actually, I'd rather draft Baker Mayfield right now, just in the hopes that he could go to Carolina. Um, But even then, man, like literally, Jacoby might be the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Not trying to be a dick. I think maybe you can take him over Sam Darnold. Maybe. Davis Mills, he's in that group. I mean, okay, yeah, I, 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 think I,
1: I think he's below those. I mean, well, Sam Darnold, you could argue, you know, for it, but like I, I would put Davis Mills above him right now.
0: I think I would too. I I think Jacoby versus like Geno Smith and Drew Locke is about where. We're. Yes, agree. That's that's where you got to start.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you know, look, Jacoby's one of the best backups in the league. But yes. once he's forced into being a starter for it, what you what you bring Jacoby, you know, Brissett in for is to start four games for you, yeah. right? Start six games. What Not you don't 17. want is, you don't want 17. Yeah, that's when the problem, that's when the, the problems occur.
0: All right, let's talk. A lot more positive here about these running backs, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Deonis Johnson, Jerome Ford, and Demetric Felton. For now, both Kareem Hunt and Deionis Johnson have been in trade rumors. But Dwayne, for the life of me, man, I don't know why either why the Browns want to trade either of these players. They're both fantastic and they're both on cheap enough deals that I just don't know what upside they get from trading them. Usually, you know, we look at trading a player if they're just, you know, costing too much against the team. And I'm aware Hunt wants a long-term deal at some point, but like they're not in. I know they gave Watson a ton of money, but as we also know, just a $1 million uh, cap hit for the year 2022. So I, I just don't know what the Browns would gain from trading Kareem Hunt or Deonis Johnson as things stand though. We'll go ahead, assuming that they will continue to be on the team. And it's a compliment to all these guys because last year out of 58 running backs with at least 75 carries, all three of these guys ranked in the top eight in yards per carry yards after contact per carry and missed tackles forced per carry. Like, you know, if we couldn't watch film, like I think you would say like, is, oh my gosh, are the Browns just like, is this a Shanahan style offense where anybody can exist in it? And if we were only talking about yards per carry, that'd be one thing. But after contact and missed tackles, forced per carry, like you can't fake those numbers, man. So just seeing what they're all able to do last year, you know, Dearness having two games to really, you know, lead the backfield and put up just bonkers numbers uh, really is impressive. And shout out to the AAF Hall of Famer, uh, Dearness Johnson himself. So what I would note is that Looking at the splits last year when we did see Nick Chubb with and without Hunt, this is my problem because Dearness Johnson is good enough that we actually saw over the course of the year Nick Chubb doesn't really have the overall RB1 upside unless both of these guys gets hurt. And that's really my problem with having with Nick Chubb and why I think I only have him ranked as like the RB15 right now. I don't know. You definitely don't need more than one hand to rank the number of running backs better in real life than Nick Chubb. You, m- you might just need one finger like, or just say he's the best running back in the league. I would not call you crazy, but if you look at it last year, six games with Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb played 51% of the snaps, had 16 carries per game, 1.5 targets per game without Hunt in seven games. I took out week 17 when Chubb was banged up and week 18 when it was a meaningless game and they obviously didn't put much on Chubb's plate. So really doing my due diligence here, seven games without hunt, Chubb, his snaps went up from 51% to 60%. His carries actually went down by 0.4. Targets only went up 0.5. So that's the problem, Dwayne. Like without Kareem Hunt, we still can't get 20 combined carries and targets out of Nick Chubb. And I think the carries just went down a little bit because of game script and stuff. And it's still only a seven game sample, but. We still saw D'Ernest Johnson out there for a big chunk. And even in that Week 17 game where Chubb was a little bit banged up, like, man, their season was on the line, and they end up giving uh, – Nick Chubb was healthy enough to be active, man. They legit played D'Ernest Johnson over him because they were trailing an impasse-first situation. So that's my issue with Nick Chubb and why I can't rank him any higher, man. It just comes down to we're not catching passes. And even if Kareem Hunt gets hurt, now we have Dearness Johnson there to pretty much take over a – middle-class man's version of that kareem hunt role i have nick chubb as rb 15 and i just don't see the reason to move him higher ahead of guys like even cam akers james connor who yeah they are objectively worse football players than him but they could easily end up with more than 100 total touches
1: yeah if we were to see kareem hunt or dearness johnson moved then maybe we would get a little bit more excited about chubb but even then like they spent draft capital on jerome ford (laughs) so it's like you know i mean there's another player that they like um so it's just tough to get behind nick chubb I i think you really you know said it well like i mean you could argue like that you only need two to three fingers you know to count you know the running backs that you know we think are the are the top the elite backs and nick chubb is one of them as far as you know a pure runner um absolutely smashes everything we care care about you know from yards after contact from you know a missed tackles force per attempt explosive rushing rate plays over 10 yards or more like he's in the top of all those every year not just one year like he's up there every year but guess what cream hunt is too and so for me with Chubb um yeah I've been below consensus I've you know so I've drafted now probably so I've drafted I want to say nearly 50 teams total I don't have Nick Chubb on any of them because to your point like as much as I love him and I just want to draft him because I like Nick Chubb I just don't see, he doesn't have the outs. Like I talk about outs all the time. Like his outs are all, they're all X'd out, right? There's no chance of him even like catching runner, runner, two cards at the end, like to be like, oh my God, I got a monster hand. Like he doesn't even have that right now. Now, if one of these players are to get traded, that would then increase the odds a little bit for Nick Chubb. But then at the end of the day, you're still dealing with an offense that's going to be led by Jacoby Brissett. They could be forced into trailing scripts what happens that's the nick thing chubb... but okay hold on
0: real quick if he does get traded like okay i i will consider bumping him ahead of acres and connor because at least now we're one injury away from a legit overall upside rb1 uh scenario but i think i'd still be taking the javante williams the joe Mixons of the world yes. ahead of nick chubb because of that offense
1: agree agree i mean it just the touchdown upside is so much it's it's so much bigger Like like uh, man, I hope he does get a season with an elite quarterback without Kareem Hunt on the roster, just because I want to see it. I would just love to see it. <laughs> you know, uh, he could finish as the RB1, right, in that type of scenario. But we're starting to get later into a player's career. Like, it comes really fast for these running backs. So, um, yeah, with Chubb and, and the other thing that you hit on, you know, just looking last year, look, they don't want him out there on passing downs, period. Long down and distance, he is never out there. 6% of the time when they faced long down and distance situations, Nick Chubb was on the field taking a snap. Not, not just, oh, I'm throwing the ball, just period. We're in a typically long down and distance, you're going to throw like 80% of the time. So two-minute offense, only 20%. And it didn't help, to your point, when Kareem Hunt was out and missed all those games. You know, Nick Chubb was still not getting it. In fact, like if you look at those weeks like, 7 through 11, right, where Kareem Hunt was out. He got hurt in week 6. And you look at weeks 8 and 9 when Nick Chubb was available, um, along with Dearness Johnson, where there was overlap between those. Um, Week 11 was another one. Long down and distance snaps for Nick Chubb in those games zero percent zero percent eight percent two minute offense snaps in those in those games zero percent zero percent zero percent
0: he can catch Nothing. the football too it's I know it's not he like he's freaking Ronald Jones out there sorry <laughs> sorry sorry Rojo sorry sorry Rojo
1: yeah but. It is what it is. At the end of the day, like Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson are two backs that are not just swing pass guys, though, right? They can work down the field. They can run the Texas route, Ian. Let's put it (laughs) that way. And where Nick Chubb is fine, he can catch the ball. He is not really someone that you're going to work into your game plan as being someone attacking linebackers and safeties, even if it's only two or three yards down the field. He's going to be more of a swing pass, check down type of player, which is it's fine. It is what it is like. And we've seen backs flourish with just the check downs in the past um, but that that's the challenge for Chubb and and the other problem for Chubb is when everyone's healthy his role is very narrow like so if the team gets if the team falls behind him hunts on the field if the team gets ahead by too many points and they want to close the game out, it's been Kareem Hunt. So Kareem Hunt is actually the much better player to take. I know we'll talk about his kind of periphery stats here in a minute and how good of a player he is, but at the end of the day, like from a, just purely a utilization perspective, Kareem Hunt is much more insulated from game script than Nick Chubb because if they're winning by a bunch, Kareem Hunt gets to play. If they are losing by a bunch and they're trailing, Kareem Hunt gets to play. If they're not and it's right down the middle, he still at least gets – the long down and distance in the two-minute offense, and he still at least gets to play like every third series. And so it just puts Kareem Hunt in this situation where, you know, he's out there for a lot of the high leverage touches and you're not ever going to get the complete bummer game typically from Kareem Hunt like you could have with Nick Chubb just because he's more insulated due to the way that they, they use him in all the different game scripts. So it's just, and Kareem Hunt's ADP is just so much less like Nick Chubb. You're having to take in the second and third round. I don't want anything to do with Nick Chubb in the second or third round Kareem Hunt in round eight or round nine, plus the chance he gets traded And if it's to a, we get lucky and it's a good team. Like, look, here's the thing. Kareem Hunt, man, most teams he would get traded to. Most, and there's a lot of good running backs in the league. Most teams, he would immediately be the best running back on the team like he just happens to play on one of the teams where he plays with freaking Nick Chubb. Like what are the chances? So, uh Kareem Hunt I think is the much better pick. You get him around 8 or 9, you still get a similar profile, you get a better passing down profile. He could get traded. There's so many more outs in my opinion for Kareem Hunt and the ADP so much better.
0: Like look at their projected, their expected PPR points and we like to use this because it helps show like how much better a player has to be than an average player in order for them to kind of meet the value that they're being drafted at. And credit to Nick Chubb, man. He has been so freaking good that he's making the most out of his limited touches. But over the past two years, he's been 27th and last year 21st in expected PPR points per game. And he managed to outdo that. He finished as the RB seven per game in 2020 and the RB 11 in 2021, but God forbid, He takes a step back from being, again, legit, maybe the single best running back in the NFL to more of a top 10 guy. All of a sudden, we could see him legit finishing as a borderline RB2 through no fault of his own, just through the workload. Meanwhile, Kareem Hunt, RB25 and RB31, expected PPR points per game, has finished RB23 and RB22. And now he's being drafted as the RB31. So Kareem Hunt, we can actually draft him at his Browns workload and feel pretty reasonable about that. And to your point, is there maybe one other team like <laughs> the Colts, I guess, with Jonathan Taylor, and I'm probably forgetting someone, but my God, it's more of a testament to just how damn good Kareem Hunt is when everything's going right. Obviously, we all know why he's on the Browns and why he was this affordable and why he's a backup running back in the first place. But my God, Dwayne, like if he if Kareem Hunt, if nothing happened with the Chiefs and he was still there just starting running back, I think he'd be the first player off the board. One on one. Yeah.
1: He easily could be like and if he were to get traded to the Chiefs for some reason, which we don't think that would be the case. Here, here's the here's here is why the Browns could trade Kareem Hunt. If they know Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended for the for the whole season, even if they can play their very best and, and their very best and the run game is really good. It's one of the best running teams in the league. Um, it's running game on steroids. But even if you can do that, right, your, your EPA that you're adding through those rushing plays, it's just not enough to accumulate with a, quarter like, with a quarterback like Jacoby Brissett to be able to overcome that and have this big winning season. So I think the scenario where Kareem Hunt gets traded is the Browns look at it and they're like, you know what, let's just get something for Kareem Hunt. Because if we don't, right, we're going to get, we're not going to get anything in return. We like the Ernest Johnson. We drafted Jerome Ford. I think it's all a matter of what kind of draft capital can they get back. I think if a team came to them with like a third round or a second round pick, and I don't think you'd probably get a second, but maybe you could get a third, I think they would do that in a heartbeat. I I wonder. i think that's what they're looking for not necessarily at this season like because you you it would seem to make sense like he doesn't cost a lot they've got plenty of room under the cap like why trade cream hunt the only thing i can think of is let's get something out of him let's reload for next year because you trade away a ton of picks to get yeah. watson so you've got to try to reload any way you can
0: even if it means a third round pick i think that's the scenario hunt could, could get moved excuse my ignorance on how comp picks work but I would think (laughs) if they can't get a day two pick, that it probably wouldn't be that even much of a difference between letting him go in free agency and probably getting some sort of day three pick back. And again, it's just about him being that damn good. And to Stefanski's credit, I mean, if there was going to be a running back, comp
1: picks are yeah. To your point, comp picks. That's why I said third round because right. comp picks are at the end of the round. So if they could target a team where they think, you know, maybe that's a high or a mid third round pick, that maybe they sense. think maybe they think that's enough to give them, you know, a 20 pick or 30 20 25 pick difference, right, to where it could work. I don't think you can get a second rounder for for him. You would have to find a team that is truly in that mode of thinking. Man, if we just had this one piece, we could be like <laughs> Super Bowl bound. Dude, could you imagine How bonkers we would go if Kareem Hunt got traded to the Buffalo freaking Bills. (laughs) Oh my God. Seriously, Ian, how far that's a team that could do it. How far up would (laughs) Kareem Hunt would move into the top five backs? He would be taken in the first round if he goes, I'm gonna start drafting more Kareem Hunt.
0: Throw the Rams out there too, man.
1: Oh, yeah. The Rams we've talked about before. I agree. I think Cam Akers is at least a little bit of a challenge, but Kareem Hunt is a far better player. Like when I look at Buffalo, like it's just hands down, like man like we've talked about kansas city we've talked about buffalo we've talked about the rams i'm um, just trying to think of like some of some of these other high profile offenses that like need that we could use like a two down or every down back right the chargers already right. have eckler um just trying to think through you know denver's already loaded you know just think you imagine all, if, uh, all, I, all uh, I do is think through the afc west and the nfc west now <laughs>
0: dwayne, dwayne could you imagine if uh alvin kamara does get suspended and they bring kareem hunt in like just to work as their future yeah. back during his first look I, I know it'd be complicated because we would have that's to consider gross. what happens what kamara comes back but for those first six weeks again he'd be a top five back he
1: would be for then, but that would be gross because then we got to deal with winning yeah again. that's what we don't want because that would be like <laughs> being back with nick chubb again Ugh. but but yes for the first six weeks like you'd be you'd be riding high man buffalo is the one like that's just majorly jumping out to me like,
0: I uh, I have him as my uh, RB31, which is exactly where he's going right now. And to your point, I almost want to move him up a few extra spots. Looking at it, though, I still think that for now, guys like A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard, Like they're in similar situations, but they have that best case scenario upside that Kareem Hunt doesn't. On this the same thing that we said about Nick Chubb also applies to Kareem Hunt. If Nick Chubb goes down, it's not going to be the Kareem Hunt show. It's going to be a lot of Kareem Hunt and still a lot of Dearness Johnson. But But the
1: difference being Kareem Hunt plays enough passing down work and he can he can and he can keep Dearness Johnson on the sidelines, he would turn Dearness Johnson more and Jerome Ford more into the early down bangers to keep him fresh, right? Whereas the problem for Chubb is he, he has no access to PPR value. None. He can't ever get there. With Kareem Hunt, what we would see probably is he only handles half of the rushing attempts. They give the other half to the other two guys, but we could see him out there 60 to 70% of the routes, which would be you know, insane for his value where you're getting him right now in ADP, even on a bad team. So I think with Hunt, because of his ability to stay on the field and all downs, because of how good of a receiver he is, right? He truly is an elite receiver from a running back perspective. I think that is is what makes his profile a little bit different. And and obviously the ADP, there's more. uh, When you get to take a player in round eight or nine, there's obviously more upside. (laughs) There's more room to go up than if you got
0: to take them in round two. How would you kind of put Hunt against guys like Miles Sanders, Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs? Still taking them ahead or do we just... Drink the Kool Aid a little bit here with Kareem Hunt and just hope that he does maybe get traded.
1: I think my wife's drinking Kool Aid in there because I heard ice scooping. So. <laughs> She's making me thirsty. Uh, Yeah. With Kareem Hunt right now, I've got him setting in my tier 3D, which is basically, um, you know, these are, these are guys that you can have, uh, you know, on your roster, you can start them, you know, in your flex because especially PPR, half PPR because they give you explosive play and receiving value. Corderell Patterson, Chase Edmonds, and Kareem Hunt are all together. And I think that's where he belongs. But if you were to ask me which one of those three has like the absolute biggest boom case upside, we could maybe make an argument it's Hunt because of those three, right? He's the only one that could potentially get traded and just land in this absolute booming situation where all of a sudden we're drafting him you know, in the first round. None of the other guys can give us that. If we're saying everybody stays put, I actually have Patterson, then Edmonds, then Hunt, right? I have them in that order, in that tier, and I think that's the way that I like it. Because of Dearness Johnson and Jerome Ford, you know, all
0: those guys are still going to be enough of a problem, even if Nick Chubb goes down to your point. I have them in that order as well. Quickly on Dearness Johnson, look, he had the two starts where he played uh, 69% nice and 88% snap rates. Also in week 18, when they barely played uh, Nick Chubb, he went ahead and racked up 26 touches in that one. Did not have 10 touches in a single other game. I mentioned those uh, Nick Chubb splits with and without Kareem Hunt. Without Kareem Hunt in the picture, Dearness Johnson played just 31% of the snaps, 3.7 carries, 1.3 targets. Like, even if Hunt gets traded, man, I don't like, we're not swapping Hunt and Dearness Johnson. I think Dearness would rise up, but I don't know, probably more like with the Naeem Hines, Jamal Williams, Gus Edwards of the world. Like to me, he would have now some pretty nice handcuff potential. So maybe we can move him up closer to Khalil Herbert, Alexander Madison. But in terms of standalone value, I don't think it'd be anywhere close to what Hunt offers. And also, let's face it, we've seen Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt do this for quite some time. Dearness Johnson it would make sense if 2021 was the best we ever see him play because he was that damn good. Not trying to take anything away from him, but I have not been taking any like late-round darts at Dearness Johnson's brand because as things stand right now, he's not one injury away from being someone you can maybe throw in the flex. He's two.
1: Exactly. I, I'm not drafting Dearness Johnson right now um, it, because of what you just said. Even if Kareem Hunt gets traded, like how much he's going to move up in ADP will will, will be a lot. But at the end of the day, like I can just make that decision then. And if he settles in like as a 12th rounder or something like that, fine, then I'll just draft him in the 12th round. But I don't think it's enough right now for me to want to be taking him at the end of best ball drafts, things like that, because he could also just be a complete zero. Um, Now, a lot of guys you're taking in the last two rounds could be complete zeros. I think, you know, you could turn that argument back on me and I think you would have a fair point. But It's definitely not somebody I'm trying to get like
0: overexposure to. Like if you want to sprinkle him in, I think that's fine. Let's talk some wide receivers and probably don't need to take that much time on this. Amari Cooper has not been trending upwards over the last few years. Still good, but I think the days of maybe considering him top 10, top 15 at the position are over top 20, top 25. We're talking again. The fifth round pick for him is absurd. Amari Cooper, Again, I think you would prefer if he's an overqualified wide receiver too, like how he was kind of trending towards in Dallas versus being your team's undisputed number one. But hey, him versus like someone like Brandon Cooks, I think would be a very fair comp at this point in his career. With that said, PFF receiving grade, yards per route run, targets per route run, all down year after year from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty one. But Dwayne, even though he doesn't miss games, like we talk about this uh, uh, usually during our game preview podcast during the year always dealing with something man over these last three years he has had on the injury report foot ankle quad knee chest and hamstring injuries and again he's not really missing time with it but you do see it impact him and credit to him playing through it but almost wish he wouldn't sometimes similar sentiment to like Tyler Lockett and some of these other guys because if you are going to be out there as a decoy obviously not helping us in fantasy land so Mari Cooper seems to be descending would make a lot of sense again if we've already seen the best years of his career and his age kind of goes into that. And my God, man, it's just like, do we really want Jacoby Brissett's number one wide receiver? T.Y. Hilton, Zach Pascal? were the highest scoring guys in Indy. PPR wide receiver 34, 36, and 64 finishes on a per-game basis in Jacoby Brissett's two seasons as the Colts starter. That was all, that was the best. Those were, again, 34, 36, 64. That's the peak. I think it's reasonable to say the 2022 version of Amari Cooper could be better than what T.Y. Hilton was there, but... T.Y. wasn't exactly a slouch. Like, we saw Jacoby come in next year, Andrew Luck, and all of a sudden, T.Y. Hilton was back to doing his thing. I I just don't, again, Dwayne, every time I go look at my rankings, I just move Amari Cooper down even more. It would have to be getting Deshaun Watson back for me to at all feel good about drafting him. Like, right now, I just moved Darnell Mooney ahead of him. Probably should have had him ahead of him to begin with. And looking behind him, man, like, right now, I got Cooper ahead of Drake London, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Smith, but I don't feel particularly good about it. Where do you fall in on Amari Cooper?
1: Well, I've had Amari at 34 for a while, okay. um, so I'm basically leaving him there. But the way I'm looking at it now, if I'm trying to win a best ball tournament or something like that, I would rather draft DeAndre Hopkins. I'm probably at the point where I would rather draft Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm also at the point where I think I would just rather draft Adam Thielen. I think that's probably the three other guys that I would just move him below now. Um, and and basically, like if you're following this, you're never going to draft Amari Cooper. Like he was um, when I updated this like a week. And a half ago, um, underdog ADP was twenty-seven. I just pulled up, you know, yesterday or today's. He's already dropped down to thirty. So like, he's already he he's getting closer to my rank of thirty-four. So I just want to, with Cooper, I'm just going to continue to try to stay a little bit below. Like it it could eventually get to a point to where I'll just leave him at ADP. Like obviously, like if it gets to like forty something, I'm just gonna be like, well, fine, I'll take Amari Cooper now. Like we'll adjust our takes, right? But for right now, I just want to continue to be below consensus. You know, on Amari Cooper. Um, Look, one of my favorite players to watch. Like when. And you just watch all the different releases. Like a guy that truly works on his craft can beat press coverage you know, can work man to man, but just never has truly developed, you know, Ian, that, that, you know, you talk about the five tool player, right? Amari's really good on slants. Amari's really good on comebacks. Amari's really good. You put him man to man and used to really have that yak ability, but some of that has started to dwindle, which we often see as players get older. Amari, I know he's been playing for 15 years, but he's only 28. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, Amari Cooper started playing uh, NFL football when he was 12, it seems like. Um, But, when you add in the complications of the quarterback, right. And the, and, and just overall the way they want to run the offense, not going to be a huge passing pie. It's just, I don't see, we talk about this a lot, right? I don't see a scenario where I look back at the end of this year and go, wow, my process was so wrong on Amari Cooper. He's winning people millions of dollars and I have zero shares. I just don't see that happening.
0: hundred percent agree outside of Amari Cooper. It's tough to get behind any of these guys other than as the latest of late dart throws. And look, when you have someone as like a wide receiver 80, it's one of those things where, you know, I almost get annoyed when I see other fans analysts like hyping this guy up. Like, if you like him so much, why is he ranked as your wide receiver 80 uh, in the <laughs> first place? So it's just not going to be enough volume for probably any of these guys. And it really is only a chance for whoever locks down number two spot. During the Stefanski era, only the Dolphins have run more total players with at least two tight ends on the field. But that's almost a fugazi because, as I've said, you know a million times over the last year, Mike Tusicki, They basically use him as a wide receiver, so I don't even count that. The Browns are the heaviest two tight end or more offense in the entire league, and to assume that David Bell, who profiles as that guy being a third round pick and stuff, to assume he's just going to completely displace Donovan Peoples Jones, Anthony Schwartz, Jakeem Grant, who they just played a lot of, uh, paid a lot of money. All these guys have different skill sets, man. It seems like with David Bell, we could almost see him pigeonholed into the slot. And if that happens, it could just be one of these gross things, Dwayne, that you talk about a lot of times with slot receivers and offenses like this where he's just only running 60% of the routes or so, and he's not even on the field enough to potentially you know, rack up enough volume to hopefully uh, be a good fantasy asset. So I have Bell, wide receiver 79, DPJ, wide receiver 83, Anthony Schwartz, wide receiver 115. I don't think I have drafted any of them even once and i don't
1: really plan on it yeah i'm similar david bell 78 people's jones 84 um i'm not even gonna list any of the others <laughs> but like the thing i'll say with bell um like if you're someone in dynasty like you can still have some interest in david bell like sure. he was the fastest player in this class to clear the 30 percent dominator hurdle which 30 percent you know the dominators basically looking at their share of the touchdowns and the yards for their team he did it at age 19.7 Ooh. You know, um, the challenge for David Bell, right, is is uh, 2.70 yards per route run was 51st percentile. Only 19 percent of his targets went for 15 yards or more, which is 48th percentile. Like he's not like this big playmaker. He's going to need to win underneath more from the Z, more from a slot. You know, he could end up being, you know, uh, you you know, the way he's going to win right? is he needs to give you a 100 reception season like he's not going to be someone that's going to break a lot of plays he's just not an elite separator but at the end of the day like the numbers he put up at such a young age in college um you know you have to take note because a lot of guys that we've seen break out at the nfl level have done it with numbers like that right obviously his 4.65 uh, 40 yard dash pushed him way down nfl you know draft boards at one point we thought maybe david bell could be like an early second round pick maybe land with someone like um, the Packers, um, or some of these other, or even like the Chiefs, another one of these teams um, that we knew needed receiver help. You know, obviously they ended up signing some guys and doing some other things, or taking some other receivers in the draft. That's all in the past now. But where he landed, um, you know, I think you can make an argument that if you can stash him, and, and this people are thinking too much just about this year. Mm-hmm. I think Dynasty is the place to take advantage of David Bell. You draft him this year because people are going to overrate the situation and Dynasty. We care more about the talent the Browns do not have a lot of draft picks. So even if they like another receiver in the next two years, more than David Bell, they don't have first round picks. Yeah. So it's going to be tough for David Bell to basically be ousted by you know a pick that they want to spend on a receiver. So I think there are some things that you can look at more from a long-term perspective with David Bell, even maybe if you play in like a really deep keeper league. I have some people that DM me and ask me, hey, I'm in an eight keeper. Like it's not quite a dynasty, obviously, but it's really kind of a ramped up keeper league. Maybe then David Bell's a guy that you could take, you know, late. But the only problem with it is, is like, maybe you take him with your last round pick, like how much is David Bell going to move up next year in ADP? Like that's the question we don't know, but you could assume like if we know Deshaun Watson's playing and we think Amari Cooper and David Bell are the top two receivers at this time next year, David Bell probably have an ADP of around 11, Round 10. Hell, people like Alan Lazard in the freaking eight. People like Marquise Valdez Scantley in the seventh. Neither guy has done anything or had near the profile that this guy had in college. So hell, who, what do I know? Maybe he'd be a fifth round pick. So I think there are avenues to David Bell providing you value. It's just to your point, Ian, I don't think it's this season. So I'm any, any kind of best ball, any kind of, you know, just for this season type of draft, David Bell, I, I haven't rostered him yet. And he's a player that I
0: actually liked coming out. I haven't heard you get mad about Alan Lazard or mention a Texas route in a good week or two, man. Good to be back. Let's uh <laughs> let's freaking go with David Bell, though. Like just based on everything you said, and then also just looking at what PFO's 2022 NFL draft guide and Mike Renner had to say about him, you can see why the Browns really took him as their replacement for Jarvis Landry moving forward, where he wins, natural receiving ability. Bell wins with an outstanding natural receiver feel. He knows how to gain leverage and exploit that with his size. He may not be particularly dynamic, but he can still turn six yards into 10 after the catch. What's his role? Physical Z. Bell's a nice complimentary piece in an offense. He can line up anywhere and not be out of place. That's a number two or high end number three type of receiver where he can improve suddenness. I'm not sure there's much room for improvement in the areas. Bell is lacking. His modest physical tools are what's keeping him from being higher on draft board. So, yeah good fit those things been-
1: all match what we just talked about with the data too it's awesome exactly. like, when the when the film and the data like you know come together like this um and yeah i read you know mike's profile i read all of his profiles just like yeah. you do and when i saw that one and i was looking at the data i'm like yeah these two things exactly match so basically it tells me that it is what it is david bell is probably the type of player that we think he
0: is when those th- when those two things match so well so yes dynasty Good thing to be ahead on, particularly with probably people holding too much of 2022 against him for most of our best ball and redraft purposes, though. No, just probably not going to be enough volume because, again, he does play a different really type of role than I think they have planned for Schwartz or DPJ. Unfortunately, there is a chance that just when they're only using two wide receivers on the field, we're not going to see any of those complimentary guys out there enough to make much of an impact. Let's close things out with a look at the tight end room. Lost Austin Hooper, still have David Njoku and Harrison Bryant. So Njoku has always had, you know, that tantalizing ceiling based on his athleticism and just some of the flashes we've seen from him on tape. I mean, just last year, you could see him split out wide a couple of times and just the route running ability, man, for a guy that's six foot four, 246 pounds, really is uncanny at times. And now four-year, year, $54.75 million deal with $28 million guaranteed. That's more total money than everyone other than George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Dallas Goddard and Mark. Andrew so clearly the Browns have a lot planned for him we'll see what happens man career high marks and receptions 56 receiving yards 639 touchdowns four I tweeted and I think like someone pulled this up for me and I was I was honored Dwayne but uh, in like 2019 or 2020 I said that David Njoku and Deshaun Watson were destined to score double digit touchdowns uh, together every single year gonna probably have to wait until at least 2023 for that I hope there is a chance that we see this devolve into more of a two tight end system that we know Stefanski is not a stranger to utilizing. He's been that way in Cleveland, actually, with three guys over the last two years. And during his final days in Minnesota, we saw all the Ersmith, Smith, Kyle Rudolph, you know, two tight end sets that you could ever not never. I should say you could that you would never want to see in terms of fantasy production. I understand in week 15 last year when there was no Austin Hooper, we saw Njoku play 100 percent of the snaps. But Harrison Bryant, sixty nine percent, had two targets. Najoku had five. If you look back in twenty twenty, we actually had three games where Austin Hooper was out of the picture, and those games, Najoku sixty percent snaps, Bryant seventy seven percent, Najoku fifty nine percent, Bryant eighty percent, Najoku sixty one percent, Bryant sixty five percent. Overall, across these four games, we actually did see uh, Bryant out target Najoku sixteen to five. Our most relevant sample is week 15 from last year. But Dwayne, I also don't want to completely dismiss what happened in 2020 under the same coaching staff with the same parties involved. So for me, I'm cool being higher than consensus on the Joku. They did not give him almost $55 million to continue to use Harrison Bryant ahead of him. With that said, my tight end 15, ADP tight end 18. I'm happy he's going where he is because uh, I feel like there's almost been a lot of times I feel like the Twitter hype almost will match ADP, at least as far as I'm seeing it, because uh, I've seen a lot of people really high on the Joku as a key late-round tight end, but he still is awfully affordable. If that's not going to be moving up anymore, which I'm guessing yeah, he's down to tight end 19 now as I'm looking at underdog, Like I think that's a fine spot for him because he's probably not going to go any higher the more we get negative news coming out about Deshaun Watson. I still do lean towards guys like Irv Smith, you know, as Irv Smith, Maybe Robert Tunyon as preferred late round uh, tight end darts. But I think Njoku is fine where he's going. You're not going to take him in redraft, trusting him as your single tight end. But especially, Dwayne, for best ball season, he's a great number three tight end, uh, arguably the ideal number three tight end.
1: Yeah, I think the I've got him one time and it's as my tight end three. And I liked that. So here's the challenge with Njoku. And like, I agree with you. Like, look at the contract that he got. Like, I think we have to assume that they've got plans for him. Problem is, like he's already been with this coaching staff, and if he was really that good of a player, he would have already distanced himself from these other guys. He, yeah. They wouldn't have ever brought Austin Hooper in. There's just so much noise around Njoku. I, I, honestly, I was surprised they gave him the contract that they did. So here's my challenge. His targets per route run, um, only one time in his career has he even reached that um, tight end seven through 12 range, right? So for tight ends, instead of wide receivers, wide receiver one, two, three. For tight ends, I'm just basically like, let's look at what top 12 guys do, because that's really all we care about. So if you look at the tight ends that rank between seven and 12 every year, um, and Joku doesn't really hit any of the marks for targets per route run, has never got there on uh, on yards per route run or targets per route run or PFF receiving grade. He's never got there on any of those things. So it's just a challenge to me within Joku to think that the money will suddenly solve the fact that this is a player that's just never really been able to demand much attention in an offense that, oh, by the way, didn't always have a ton of targets. Like, you know, um, so... I I like him as an efficiency player, right? You know, if they can get the play action game going, I would like him much more, obviously, with Deshaun Watson. But with Jacoby Brissett, like, can he really use David Njoku's best assets as a seam stretcher, right, as someone that can be that mismatch, really getting vertical over top of the linebacker? Um, And do they have enough other talent around him if teams aren't worried about the running game, like to really allow Njoku to do anything? I feel like he's much more of a complementary player versus someone that can lead the way. To your point, We hate the ADP, not the player. The ADP is fine. So that means Njoku's fine. As it, you could even take him as your tight end two if you needed to. I'm with you, Ian, and my tight and my three tight end builds. I'd love to have Njoku as my tight end three because then he comes through with three or four weeks in the season. You feel fine about it. If he does happen to do any more than that, then it's just really icing on the cake for you. Um, the other thing I would say with Njoku, and I really know this is your total angle, Ian, because you're always thinking about week 17. I'm trying <laughs> to get you to realize that the season is about more than just week 17 and week 17 correlations, but you continue to beat your head on the topic. I. Know really what your angle here is? That you love Carson Wentz. That is your that is your favorite quarterback. Oh late in, in Washington, football.
0: Cleveland. Yes, in Week oh
1: Seventeen, Ian. There you go. Look at that. Look at that. Full circle. Always all comes full, full circle. circle.
0: <laughs> I, I I actually did this entire team preview series just so when we could get to uh you know team number twenty-seven that this would be the point. You were
1: setting this up the whole like way. I like I, I have to say, that takes dedication.
0: 35 hours probably of content <laughs> just to get to this point point. one thing i will say that i didn't even really think of as i was writing the browns team preview but it is risky putting all those and again it's not a ton of eggs because of his adp it's affordable and like you know uh helping out some of the pff writers uh that are coming up a little bit and one of the things and we like someone has a top fades article coming out and i was like you know let's limit it to top you know 36 or 48 wide receivers running backs. No one needs to hear about why you should be fading the wide receiver 60. So the joke is a tight end 19. Like that's fine. You're not going to be looking back on your draft. Like my God, if I had just not taken the joku around 15 or whatever, like everything would have been fine, but let's remember, man. Browns gave Austin Hooper four years, $42 million, not 55, but still 42. And would that get him? 70 targets in 13 games in 2020, 61 targets in 16 games in 2021. And Austin Hooper did more than Atlanta with a better quarterback for sure, but he did more in Atlanta than David Njoku's ever done in Cleveland. I would take Njoku ahead of Hooper in the same situation. I do think Njoku offers more upside because of those athletic intangibles we've been talking about. But yeah, definitely someone where. I, I don't think that you know the, the ca- thing you
1: love about Njoku is 17% of his targets come on 20 plus yards downfield, right? That equals air yards, which yeah. we care about. He's pretty good after the catch. The big question is can Brissett unlock any of that? <laughs> like, because no. that's what you're gonna need from Njoku. And here's at the end of the day, to your point, back to the ADP. And we're talking about tiers. What do what do, what's gonna come down for a lot of these tight ends we're talking about that end up in the same tier is just who scores the most touchdowns, which guess what can be complete freaking (laughs) variants. We can sit here and do all the stuff, all the things we want and David Njoku could still score more touchdowns than Tyler Higbee, right? He could score more touchdowns than Robert Tanyan. You know, we're taking, I'm taking Tanyan and Higbee ahead of Njoku right now, but Njoku could easily score as many or more touchdowns as those two players. And he's going to rank ahead. So I don't mind the, the late round tight end stuff. There's not a lot of them that I make a huge stand on, right? We've talked about Alberto. We've talked about Irv Smith. We've talked about Gerald Everett. I think those are the three we're probably the most aligned on. Mm -hmm. Like, those I I roster those three tight ends more than any other three tight ends. You know, once you get past like the top 10, those are the three. Those are my typical go tos. I'll mix in um, Tyler Higbee as well because he plays in the NFC West. Um, But after that, like, I'm fine. Like, I'll throw in Njoku on a team. I'll throw a Hunter Henry on a team. I will throw, you know, even Noah Fant on a team. Like they're all kind of similar to me. Um, so, and I think it'll just, end, it'll come down to like which one of them scores the most touchdowns will end up how, you know, deciding how they're ranked at the end of the season.
0: And I think that's a good reason why in this late, like, don't reach on these guys because it's almost like uh, what we've talked about with the wide receiver two range where when the we tiers are huge. Yeah, tiers tiers are huge. Are huge.
1: My my tier two for tight end, you know, I don't do this normally. Like I normally just cut it off. But the way I'm doing the profiles, right, is obviously based on the talent and the situation. And I have 18 tight ends in tier <laughs> two. <laughs> Jesus, 18. But it's because now I have them <laughs> split into 2A, 2B, 2C, like based little situations are a little better. <laughs> talent's a little better. But at the end of the day, like it's still a big group of players um that are all really similar and it's really flat so fine like like if you take out the two a's and you just count like my two b's two c's those kind of guys um and basically there's nobody in here like a cj uzoma or a trey mcbride i'm not talking about any of those types i'm talking about guys that we think are at least going to be the leading tight end and routes on their team typically so like mo alley cox we know he's not going to play every down but he should run 50 percent of the routes we hope brevin jordan we're not nuts about but he'd probably be out there 50 60 percent of the routes austin hooper same kind of thing but even then, like you've got 13 dudes that we're staring at. And, and so to your point, the biggest thing is just don't reach. You need to be keeping an eye on them in your draft. And honestly, I think for these tight ends, a great tiebreaker really is some of the schedule stuff, right? Just because they're all so close, it's like, well, if you can find a way to correlate them, and it doesn't have to be week 17, it could be just more about, you know, what we've talked about in the past, like just I think a big part of why I have so much Tyler Higby and so much, um, you know, Albert O and so much Gerald Everett beyond the other things we've talked about is like they just all play, you know, they play great schedules, yeah. right? So if these teams don't have a chance to have more shootouts, what does that mean? A chance for more touchdowns, which is really
0: what we care about for tight ends. And that's, that's great. I think that's one of the... You've written many great articles this offseason, Dwayne, but just looking at and kind of looking at the whole schedule and seeing the shootouts that the NFC West and AFC West are going to be in by the game totals, that's what I want to see with a schedule, not one week, and just for the love of God, NFL, quit releasing this shit the way you do it. that That's what pisses me off more than anything. And then it's the assumption, like, oh, all you have to do is worry about week 17. But enough of that aside, real quick wrap up. And hey, if Deshaun Watson ends up, not being suspended somehow and we're wrong like we will be back here giving you guys uh, basically another version of this podcast Which we
1: could have a whole lot of news on that like today yeah (laughs) so (laughs) we probably should have just waited on this one
0: well, anyway, we'll see what happens there, but under maybe re-recording this and never releasing it, <laughs> but you guys will never know under the assumption that Deshaun Watson will be suspended for this year. We basically were out on everyone at their ADPs right now, other than Kareem Hunt, who is going at a reasonable spot as the RB 31. And just with the potential trade rumors on the table, he could really be skyrocketing up the board. And David Njoku is fine in the context of being in that late round tight end pool, but Cooper, David Bell, Nick Chubb, Bursette, Baker. Largely answer is just no. So, yeah, that's our Cleveland Browns. Dwayne, we're going to be back here shortly recording Baltimore Ravens. Have a couple more uh, condensed situations, I think, where we can hang our hat on as opposed to this. Uh, but, yeah, obviously th- there is not another um, – I-, I went on – a I had a Cleveland radio hit, and like usually when people ask me to come on the radio, it ends up being uh, mostly fantasy stuff because I don't know, I'm the lead fantasy guy here. Like I, it just makes sense. But this one, for some reason, it was like no fantasy at all, and they were just asking me about kind of the Deshaun Watson situation. And I was just saying how like if Deshaun Watson is in Cleveland, they're a legit Super Bowl contender. If Deshaun Watson is not playing a game this year, I would probably put them fourth, maybe third. It's very close between them and Pittsburgh. I would probably give Mike Tomlin the benefit of the doubt and rank the Browns dead last in this division. There is not a single other situation in the league going on right now that can, you know, as Pete Overset would put it, flip the entire, you know, slate or the team uh, kind of projections on its uh, on its head. So maybe that's common sense, but that really is just Yeah, and like Vegas doesn't
1: even have lines out on the Browns right now because of yeah. all this, right? So obviously it's a big unknown right now. <clears throat> um but yeah, if, if for some reason Watson signs, uh, we'll trash this episode and come back and redo it.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thank you as always for tuning in, everyone. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. And until next time, take care.